Hey everybody, this is Perry with DMN. I'm here with Tarek Fidel. Um, actually, you know what, Tarek? I want to just start blank slate. You want, I want you to tell me about yourself and tell me about your company and tell me what you guys do. Sure. This is very interesting. Uh, it's an angle we don't often cover. We're getting into kind of like some legal stuff here. But um, go ahead, just take it away. All right, great. So uh, thank you. Uh, I'm Tarek Fidel. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO uh, of Fidel, uh, hence the name. Mm-hmm. Um, we, uh, we started the company uh, in 2003, so it's been 14 years for us. Uh, and we've, uh, over this entire period, we've really focused on uh, content licensing and uh, usage rights for, uh, for content and all of the associated payments behind that. So very vast world. Uh, where we first started was um, initially focusing on um, uh, content owners and intellectual property owners, so uh, companies that um, either deal with licensing uh, properties, um, you know, anyone, uh, the companies they can think of, like uh, the big publishers, uh, Marvel Entertainment, and mm-hmm. their own property library, and all of the associated uh, licensing rights. So, what can people do when they license those properties, um, and then how do they pay for them, and what do they pay for them? Um, and that evolved over time. So when we first started, uh, you know, digital was just starting to take off. Um, you know, this is pre-iPad days, so if you can, you know, factor that. And once the tablets hit and the mobile phones hit, you know, the the volume got greater. Uh, the distribution rights changed. Uh, there was a lot more complexity associated with, you know, um, what can you do in traditional print form or. Um, in regular broadcast form as opposed to over the top or onto the mobile device or onto the tablet and do you have the rights to do the same things that you did elsewhere Um, so all of a sudden the complexity and and the enormity of the distribution uh, and the the digital age grew by leaps and bounds Um, and we were there to help customers solve those problems and uh, over time what we found is that the uh, ad industry itself is going through a very similar type of transformation. So uh, the players in the, in the space, whether it's the direct brands and the advertisers or the media agencies and the talent agencies uh, are providing um, talent for the advertisements and the ad campaigns and um, to represent the brand. Now, every one of these people or product placements in these campaigns has a set of distribution rights associated to them as well. And you know, the better the talent, the, the more known and, and creative the talent, the, the stringier the distribution rights. So you know, can you take a picture of a particular brand ambassador for, let's say, a watch? And can you put that person on a billboard um, in simultaneously in New York, in London, in Japan? And do you have any blackout windows to do that? Um, can you put that same image of the person that's on the billboard in an in-store advertisement or in a magazine? And in a magazine, is it print or is it digital? Right? And this is the level of detail that the rights are actually now getting into. Um, and traditionally, the agencies and the, the, largest, the largest advertisers have tried to either manage this in homegrown systems or in spreadsheets or in many instances manually by having this information sitting in PDF agreements and Word documents, and then having a whole set of manual processes associated to, can I use this, send an email to business affairs for clearances, send an email to my uh, advertising agency because they're managing my talent agreements and they would know, 
Um, and then half the time it's up for interpretation depending on how the contracts are written. So what that what's that's doing is that it's actually leaving the advertiser and or the agency working on behalf of the advertiser um, you know, in an awkward situation because one, you still have to get the ads out to market. In many instances, if they're digital ads, they have to go out faster and usually with smaller budgets. Um, and there's no time to wait for a yes or no answer when everything has to be looked up manually. Um, so we've come in with a solution in that space, um, basically you know, leveraging our decade plus years of experience on managing content distribution rights for licensors and for publishers and digital publishers. And we applied it, if you will, uh, to the advertising industry. Um, and we're getting a lot of attention. We're getting a lot of momentum. Um, we're doing work now. The product we, we introduced a product to market called uh, Rights Cloud, um, and what that product does is it uh, two main functions, if you will. One is it helps the advertisers and the agencies manage all the associated talent agreements and the rights to those talent agreements and all of the the, the detailed attributes of the talent themselves. So. If I'm using a photographer, an agent, uh, a uh, videographer, an actor, an actress, a model, etc., and the specific characteristics of those people and their rights, and then we take all of the rights information and we make it available in the cloud so that anyone who's actually looking at a photo of that person that was used in this particular photo shoot or assignment can instantaneously tell whether or not they can use that image in any form, you know, in a specific language, on a specific, in a specific medium, in a specific country, within specific date ranges, so that when they're looking to put together the campaign, they know that they are actually in compliance with the talent's contract agreements and usage rights, and uh, they're also reusing a lot of the assets globally, so they don't have to initiate another set of photo shoots, right? right? Um, and that seems to be a very new paradigm to the you know advertising space because a lot of this was just really done manually. Yeah, um, <clears throat> part of what makes this whole thing interesting for me, obviously at DMM we kind of cover uh, a lot of tech and things like that, like marketing tech and you know just trends as far as you know tactics and channels and things like that goes. But you know, and we never really get into you know some of the legalities of this yeah. stuff, and uh, particularly within the age of content marketing, where I mean obviously content is very nebulous, but you know. If you if you if you're running you know commercials or whatever yeah like I I have never had this discussion about distribution or anything yeah. but I assume it's been kind of an issue in the industry yeah. because you guys have came you you've been around for a while and you you're penetrating this market in particular and you're finding success yeah so um, is there is, do you have any like um I guess common issues that people come to you with like marketers will come to you with as far as you know their issues with distribution like and uh, licensing and all that yeah so specifically from a marketer perspective uh, from you know a large brand perspective we're getting a lot of the brands coming to us now because we've been um, we've done two things one is uh, to, to educate the brands and the agencies about the problem statement um, and the fact that there's actually a cloud-based system and solution that can help automate you know, the answers and get them uh, you know, a lower cost of ownership on their ad campaigns at the end of the day, um, while minimizing, if not eradicating completely, their uh, legal exposure. Right? So um, we came at the problem from uh, multiple facets. One is we looked at what other technologies are involved in this workflow, uh, and we found that there's a lot of digital asset management systems 
from you know, companies like Adobe or OpenText or uh, Primo, etc., Box, uh, AdStream, you, know, you name it, um, that are actually being used in the content production lifecycle. So let's take a simple example. A photo shoot happens. There's a thousand photos that come out of the photo shoot. Maybe a hundred go into production. These production assets are put into a digital asset management system or onto a shared drive and box or Dropbox or somewhere. Um, and the users that are using these are typically either brand managers or their agencies to actually use those images in an ad campaign. Um, and what we've done is we said, okay, we don't want to disrupt that workflow. We don't want to ask the users to go to yet to another system. We want to bring the rights information into that system directly. And so what we did was we actually built a, a, a layer of APIs and web services that allows you to connect into the rights cloud from any web-based or uh, uh, you know, uh, desktop-based digital asset management system and have the rights information within the DAM. So I can literally click on, for instance, maybe 10 photos or 10 videos or music, a combination of collection of items, music, video, photo, and I can introspect the rights directly out of the existing system that I work in. And I can see what I can and I can't do in a very simplistic manner. Literally a stoplight function. Green, you can use it. Yellow, you can use it with some restrictions. Red, you just can't use it. Hmm. And then you can drill into what the restrictions are. Um, we're also adding notification features so that you say, okay, I must use this photo, but I can't because there's a blackout window that I'm not allowed. I'm going to communicate with my agency or business affairs to get me that clearance. Gotcha. Right? And then automate the workflow. For technologists like us, these may seem like trivial, simple tasks because the technology has always been there in terms of connecting systems together and you know, doing things like API integration. It's just how do you apply it to a specific problem statement? And um, you know, we've been seeing the same exact business problem surfacing over and over and over again with any type of advertiser, irrespective of the industry that they're in. So we've sold our you know, services and subscriptions to companies and financial services, to manufacturers, to media agencies, uh, to publishers. Um, uh, we're now in conversations, sort of at the tail end of the conversations with uh, some of the, the largest fashion brands. Right um, for fragrances, for watches, for uh, you know uh, their beauty products, where there's a very strong set of you know talent that they use to capture you know the brand uh, and to, to to portray the the brand image, but those have very complex distribution rights associated with them. Yeah, it's an interesting time because um, I know that I recently attended like this uh, this media. Uh, training course on. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a different you know world, but it was talking about <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, rights as far as like you know, photo credit and you know, video, audio clips, all that stuff like that. So, um, I guess my question now is, you know, generally speaking, if you pull back you know, outside of what you guys are doing <clears throat> and just looking at the space of uh, content and legal, if you're if you're a young marketer like starting your company or whatever, and you don't have the money to invest in like any type of technology or anything like that yeah. that can help you to you know avoid some legal problems. What are some of the like top level tips that you would give as far as like uh, you mentioned things like you know your content playing in like Japan versus the U.S. or something like that? Like just what, like I know that's a, that's a very big topic, but uh, just some of the, the key things that you would say like as far as advice yeah. goes. So I mean, I would say just my my first inclination would be to say you know um, because we do sophisticated rights tracking. 
uh, we're not necessarily that expensive for everybody, mm -hmm. right? So we've put we've laid out a pricing mechanism that is really um, focused on helping brands, irrespective of their size, and agencies, irrespective of their size, utilize the software. It's there's nothing to install. It's in the cloud. You go, you get a subscription, basically, and you can just key in your information and start clearing, right? Gotcha. Um, our pricing model is very much based on the number of assets that you're trying to clear. So if you're a small agency, more often than not, that's actually a fee that the brand is going to end up carrying, right? So you're going to be charging that back to the, to the brand because you're providing that service for them. So one, there's an actual business opportunity for you to say, you know, I want to enroll or register uh, to use the Fidel Rights Cloud, but I also want to make it a service for companies because there's a lot of companies out there that don't claim to be rights experts, don't want to know anything about it, they want to outsource it. So mm -hmm. there's a business opportunity for a young emerging you know, a creative or agency to actually provide that service. We can be one of the tools that you know they could use to actually offer a service. So does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Um, the other thing is, you know, um, you know what we're seeing is uh, there's more and more of an advent also around social, obviously, and, and digital uh, campaigns, right? And um, there's a lot of new entrants that are coming and focusing exclusively on digital and social, right? Because mm -hmm. to actually be able to, to you know, hit the ground running, being new into the space to, to do ad production and campaign management and ad buying and what have you, you know, it's very difficult, I think, for you know a young company to penetrate unless you've come from sort of the big boys and, and you're launching on your own. Yeah. But you look at the digital and the social side of it, and it's a science that you know the established agencies don't know too well, and they're buying their way into it, right? So you hear every day about you know some of the larger media agencies buying digital agencies or you know newly established social agencies. So. Um, but you know, at, at the end of the day, that also has that has a different workflow. It has different budgets within the within the uh, advertisers, um, and they're not as large and big as you know a broadcast campaign, for instance, or a TV campaign, um, naturally. But they have faster cycles, and they need a lot of creativity. So I would say, you know, that would be a primary area of focus that I think you know someone coming into the into the space. Especially if they have that background or that knowledge, um, that's a much you know much needed uh, service. Yeah. So uh, last one for you, uh, and, and kind of related to that last point, some of what you touched on there, the difference between like social and mm -hmm. you know like broadcast, for instance. Mm -hmm. Do you find? I mean, you guys have been a while for like since 2003, right? Yes. So it's been a while, and you you were kind of in the middle of that transition from broadcast to digital. Like, uh, what are some of the, the, the big, like, differences as far as distribution and, like, you know, a lot of the, the legalities go in that in that space? Like, is it vastly different? Like, are you facing, like, different issues today than you were yeah. five years ago? Um, so, from a pure content distribution, it is vastly different. Yeah. Um, the same rules don't apply. Um, the over-the-top distribution uh, is different than the traditional VOD and and uh, cable distribution, basically, uh, and then TV distribution. So, uh, and actually, we were talking. We were at the Digital Asset Management Show in New York uh, just last week at the Henry Stewart Conference, um, and we had one of the largest cable operators uh, with us at the booth. Um, and one of their biggest problems is to be able to understand. Um, 
with all of the content that they actually distribute in the U.S. and outside the U.S. Uh, when you think of all the potential channels, so they do satellite distribution, cable distribution, TV distribution over the air, OTT, VOD, you name it. So they have about 14 or 15 different distribution systems um, for the same piece of content. Different rules for the road for distribution. If you're, you know, OTT distribution to Netflix or to Amazon Prime or to your own OTT channel or to Hulu or what have you, then hitting the same person within the same demographic who's watching the same show just on cable, right? And it gets to that level. Um, and you have things like, for instance, especially in sports, like sports programming, um, you may have global rights or let's say national rights to air uh, a specific event, a boxing event, with exception of these following uh, zip codes. Why? Because another provider has the live, the rights for the live run on that event happening on a specific distribution channel. And once it's, it's done, you have the replay rights for that area code or that zip code, right? And that's just, and what typically determines that also is the mechanism in which the consumer is consuming the content, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's quite complex. Yeah, uh, it's governed by a lot of different rules and what we found one common thing from when we first started to now is that it's not getting any easier actually it's just getting harder uh, and as new devices become mainstream um, you know I like to think of us as like the pre-iPad days and the post-iPad days mm -hmm. um, but uh, you know as more devices come out and they become more mainstream we think we're just going to see a continued complexity that is evolving um, because of you know, the, the viewership phenomenon and because you know, it's a lot cheaper these days to actually get content out to the mass market um, you know, and we think that the ad industry is following that same curve right? in terms of the exponential rise in complexity because at the end of the day um, you know, a lot of it is around specifically talent, not necessarily content but content as well sometimes um, but you also have a much broader distribution channels that you have to manage um, and then people are just in general becoming more and more aware right so um, it's much easier today to spot whether someone's being you know consumed in, a, in an uh, advertisement and if you're that person or if you're that person's agent and you know you see them on a website, or you're getting a Google ad being served, or what have you. There's just a lot more points of interaction with the consumer that it's easier for someone to know whether or not you know their image or their video is getting misused. Yeah, right? and hence the the legal you know battles are increasing. Yeah, and I feel like it's kind of murky too because. Uh, at least in media, in the media world, the laws are some sometimes unclear. Like there's not a mm -hmm. ton of case. I mean, there's obviously a lot of case law, but it's not like a whole bunch of people settle. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah it just seems like a very complex world. And um, I mean, it's, it's on one hand, it's nice to know that markets have to deal with this as well. Because as a yeah. as a as a writer, you know, we've been dealing with this type of stuff for sure. a long time. So um, to hear that marketers are yeah. also facing these also facing these issues, it's uh, it sucks for them, but it's like yeah, you know. But what, and what we found more or less, you know, I say most of the time, is that um, you know any infringements and misuse 
are really mainly due to an unknown, right? So mm-hmm. there isn't sort of a a desire or by design, you know, let's overuse a particular you know person's assets or rights or what have you. I would say maybe seventy to eighty percent of the time that we're talking to a company that's had you know compliance issues or has had internal audits mm-hmm. where the auditors have found that you're at risk of being of having compliance issues if you keep going down this track without a system, right? And we have a, we have customers in that, that fit in that category yeah. where they've done their own internal audits and said we're very exposed, right? We need a system. Um, a lot of that exposure is just really because of the manual workflow and the unknown, as opposed to you know, a, uh, an open desire to break someone's contract. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, um, heavy stuff here. Uh, <laughs> nice. uh, listeners will take a few uh, Googles here, I think, to really get deep into all this stuff. Sure. But Tarek, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. Thanks for I know time. It's very deep stuff, but uh, really appreciate it. Great Thanks. questions. Thank you. Yep.